lights. It's seven Friday night. Welcome to another episode of Seven Friday Night. I'm Sports Stars Magazine editor Chase Bryson, and I'm joined by my partner in high school football enthusiasm, the man who spoke to the rain gods last week and helped deliver a window just big enough to get through Saturday's games before those gods unleashed 30 plus hours of angry downpour. Our shaman of the skies, Ben Enos. Ben, how are you? You do not. Uh, you don't want to see me do a rain dance, that's for sure. It would probably be. <laughs> both aesthetically unpleasing and offensive in every way. So we'll refrain from that. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, like you said, we got enough uh, lead time before the great storm of 2021 uh, to go out and watch some football last week, which was fantastic. And then we just sat at home all weekend and watched college football and uh, pro football, which was equally great. So um, I did make a crack last week about you portending good things for Cal and that carried over not to the high school team but to the University of California which was great to watch on Saturday so thank you for that um on the high school level I got a chance to see a really good solid I, I just I describe it as a a very workman like blue collar football game not a lot of tricks not a lot of crazy stuff, just really good, solid two-way football between Foothill and Dublin, uh, which we wrote about for our Sunday wrap, um, and a senior class at Foothill that is really doing some great work uh, as they try to clinch an outright league title this week against Granada. But just a really good high school football game with a great atmosphere. Again, credit to Dublin for uh, rolling out the homecoming carpet um, because they did a nice job with that. So uh, people got to read about Foothill uh, in, on sportsstarsmag.com, so I won't belabor the point. You were out at um, Monta Vista to see the undefeated Mustangs against Cal High. Thoughts, questions, concerns from you? <laughs> well, I, we spent a good amount of time on the East Bay Athletic League last week, um, so I don't want to go too long here. But I, I will say that I was quite impressed by Monta Vista's uh, win over Cal. Uh, they, uh, we, we've talked up Monta Vista's defense in previous weeks, but the offense seems to be finding itself now kind of later in the year. And if you had told me four weeks ago that they could go into Clayton Valley and beat the uglies this week, I would have called you bonkers, but now I'd actually believe it. They definitely have a shot. Even if they will try and say nobody gave them a shot, not true. I'm giving them one this week. We'll see if either one of us wants to brave the game and picks later. So I don't know. We'll. We'll get to that when we get to that, but let's uh, let's move into this week. Which quick, uh, quick interlude before oh, yes, we move please. before we move along. I have had a chance to watch the first half. I haven't finished the game. I have had a chance to watch the first half of your game on uh, local cable access TV. Shout out to our friends Chris Babcock and Craig Bergman for doing a great job with that broadcast. Um, Wright was down on the first drive of the game, so. Uh, <laughs> They were the beneficiary of some good uh, officiating at the very beginning of the game. But anyway, let's move along. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll move into this week. Um, and uh, this week actually includes uh, once, once football, once uh, high school and college football is over this week, uh, we'll get to Sunday, which actually happens to be Halloween. So we thought we would uh, have some spirit themed fun. Uh, to here to open this episode and so i am going to ask you a, a few pointed questions with a bit of a halloween theme here and i'll start with who's the scariest defensive presence you've seen with your own eyes this year the one dude you would not want lining you up this is such a good question <laughs> um there there are so many good physical defensive players out there across northern california uh and i've seen a bunch so i'm going to give you a couple uh, first, I want to go back to week one. I would not, and I mean week one of the Sac Joaquin section season, not the North Coast section season. I would not want to meet Folsom linebacker Josh Tremaine in the hole. That dude is physical. So, no, stay clear of him. Second, 
if we're talking about guys where you line up across from them and get that pit in your stomach, it's got to be Benicia defensive end Miles Bailey. He's listed at 6'4", 260. I stood next to him on the sideline, and, and I felt very small. <laughs> um, I also want to throw an honorable mention to Dublin's TJ Costello, the rolling ball of knives, as uh, Coach Edson has dubbed him. That, uh, that dude moves really well. He's going to chase you down, and when he gets to you, you are going to feel it because he is bringing the thunder. So uh, those are three guys that I would not want lining up across from me. You uh, you got any uh, options on your end? The, the one that came to mind first for me was uh, was Tanner Salisbury. That guy that guy brings yes. brings the thunder. He's a he's a heck of a hitter. Yeah. Um, uh, but yours, yours are all good too. I haven't seen Miles Bailey yet. I did, I did feel similar about Josh Tremaine in Week One. He was extremely physical. All good choices. Uh, here's your next one. If a horde of zombies is encroaching upon your front lawn, what school's offensive line are you calling to create your escape lane? First of all, I am not a fan of zombies. <laughs> Second, uh, here in my community, that uh, I walk around in quite frequently. The front lawn is assaulted more frequently by turkeys, neighborhood turkeys. And I have a longstanding theory about the turkey army rising up. So uh, now that we've got that out of the way, this is actually the easiest question that you're going to give me. We've only seen one team win in the trenches against De La Salle this year. And that is St. Francis of Mountain View. Those dudes are huge, huge. <laughs> And they have like six or seven guys listed at 250 pounds or more. Now, I will say that if you're going for a quick getaway from these zombies, I wonder if zombies have trouble with a group that fires off the ball with speed and precision. If they do, then I will still go with the Spartans of De La Salle. But I'm going to start with St. Francis. Quality choices, whether you're uh, taking on zombies, turkeys, or turkey zombies. Uh, finally. What is the one playoff division that will be the biggest house of horrors for teams in that field? Okay. There are co I've got a couple options here. The, I guess the easy answer is the NCS open division, right? Because all those teams still have to play De La Salle. So if you're talking about horrors, like that would be, that has been horrifying for decades. So I have history on my side here. Yeah. Uh, for pure competition, let's throw out uh, the Sac Joaquin section division one bracket because we assume Folsom, Rockland, Jesuit, and a bunch of other quality teams are going to be in there, right? So right. That, that could be sufficiently horrific. And uh, if we're going to go a little bit deeper, I've said this before, but I'm going to say NCS division three, where I think a really good team is actually going to get left out of the eight team field. Remember, we're at eight team fields now. Um Windsor looks like my favorite there right now, but there are three teams in play from the Diablo Athletic League, Lomas, Benicia, Aquilanus, three teams from the Vine Valley League that are in play, American Canyon, Petaluma, and Casa Grande. And then we haven't even gotten to O'Dowd, El Cerrito, Santa Rosa, Montgomery, Northgate, College Park. Heck, Bethel and Washington could all have winning, could both have winning records too. I mean, there are going to be some broken hearts in Division Three this year. So one to eight, that is going to be a crazy division to watch from start to finish. Well done. I, that's, those are definitely the same divisions I was thinking about as well. So let's go ahead and keep with that theme as we move on. If I'm a defensive coordinator, Rockland High's three-headed receiver trio of Elias Mulliken, Kyron Bell, and Nathan Kent is a legit nightmare. All three guys have more than 400 yards receiving and have combined for 17 touchdowns. In the wake of the undefeated Thunder clinching the Sierra Foothill League title last weekend, we wanted to get one of these fellas on the show to talk about Rockland's impressive regular season, how it's battled through some key injuries, and how they're gearing up to be the Sac Joaquin section's top seed in the Division I playoffs. Nathan Kent was happy to answer the call, so let's listen in on our conversation with the Thunder's football and track and field star. Well, we are pleased to be joined by Rockland football and track and field star Nathan Kent, who we planned to get on the show a couple of weeks back, but he made the always smart decision to do a little bit of math work rather than answer our qu crazy questions. So props to you, Nathan, for making the right call there. Uh, a, a few weeks later, 
Mr. Kent is a huge part of Rockland's 9-0 record and Sierra Foothill League title with 29 catches for 521 yards and six touchdowns. Nathan, welcome to the show, man. How's it going? Going pretty good. Thank you so much for having me on today, guys. You got it. Well, the, the first question is a tough one. We've got kind of a Halloween theme going throughout the podcast. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you started with a real tough question. Will you be dressing up? And if not, what was the best costume you've ever had in your young life? I will not be dressing up this year. Uh, this year, my best, well, actually, guy yeah, you just saw right there, Owen, he's getting his wisdom teeth removed. So be at home, uh, kind of nursing him. But I think the best costume I've ever seen uh, was when I was really little, I was fascinated with the military. I saw the dude dressed up in all spec work kind of camo, and I thought that was the coolest thing ever. So that's my best costume. That's a good one. Well, you could always say that you dressed up as a Sierra Foothill League champion, right? I mean, I guess you could say that too. <laughs> so we'll start with, with the obvious question now that we're on football. You guys took care of business last week for the 29-7 win over Grant to close out a perfect 6-0 finish to the Sierra Foothill, to Sierra Foothill League play. The league widely considered the toughest in the Sacramento section. What did that feel like, and how did you and your teammates celebrate? Um, it was definitely a big win. Uh, not just for us as, as players, but for the program. Um, you know, you talk to Coach Adams or some of the other coaches and staff who've been here, you know, that, that whole process since 2002. Um, they saw the other league championship, and then they saw us kind of struggle and get close, but not quite all the way. And to get there this year, that was just a really big uh, a triumph after not, you know, having a season really last year in that COVID season. So um, it meant a lot to us as players. Uh, celebration. Um, one thing that I think we've done a really good job of this year is priding ourselves on never getting too high or too low. So, I mean, it was a really big accomplishment, but we realized we got bigger things that we wanted to do. So, great. It was awesome. We, we celebrated that night, but come Saturday morning for weights and then come, uh, come Monday for practice, it was, it was right back to schedule. So you guys have had to endure something that not a lot of high school teams would be able to do, and that is the loss of a absolute star quarterback. Um, in, in losing Kenny earlier in the year, first of all, how did you guys need to adjust as a team and come to grips with the fact that your quarterback wasn't going to be playing? And then how has the transition gone to Joey Roberts under center? Because it really seems like you haven't really missed a beat. Yeah, um, Dan, you could say that. Um, coming into this year, it was it was clear clear start with having Kenny Lee as a quarterback. You know, he's got the size, he's got the speed, he's got the IQ, which is off the charts, and, and his, his playmaking ability is definitely there. There's no question about it. Um, so he's obviously going to be our starter. And here we have this, this junior who was splitting time down, down at JV, uh, Joey Roberts. And um, coming into the season, you know, he, he was pretty much playing outside linebacker and, and getting the, the, the scout reps at QB, right? So we weren't really, really focusing on him, on bringing him up as a quarterback. Um, although we, he was getting some reps. And um, coming into the season, before we even had our first game, we had a couple of injuries. Um, our star tight end, uh, Peyton Smith, he, uh, he broke his collarbone. So that was a big, big part of our game plan that kind of not necessarily had to fill out the window, but we had to, we had to separate and, and, and go other directions. Um, we also lost a corner. So those kind of things coming into the season made us realize, you know, it's fragile. Um, so we kind of took it as, as it is, and we moved on, and we were doing really well um, to, to DeLauro. And then Kenny goes out at halftime, um, and that was a big hit. You know, it was all kind of like, you know, wonder what it is, what it is, what it is. And then everybody found out it was the knee. It was like, ah, oh, so it's going to be something something pretty big. Um, but Joey stepped in right away, absolutely did not miss a, did not miss a beat. Uh, those first two games back, uh, Granite Bay, and then the next game, at Oak Ridge and then at Folsom, just absolutely killing it. Did a great job. He stepped up in ways not only as um, as a QB and making decision, but also as a leader on the team. And I'm really happy to see it. He's a super humble guy, and he works really, really hard at practice. So it's awesome to see him succeed. Uh, before we brought you on, I gave a short introduction to what you, Kyron, and Elias have accomplished together in the passing game this season. Uh, did you guys talk to each other about what you could do to help Joey? And I mean, um, as far as his transition and I mean, he obviously he hadn't thrown to you guys hardly much at all. I mean, you're used to um, having worked with Kenny for so long. So what did you guys talk about the, uh, between yourselves that you could do to help uh, Joey's transition and his acclimation to starting? Yeah, obviously. So that conversation, you know, started halftime the Delaro game. It was like, all right, you know, what are we going to do? 
uh, to get him on, to get him on track. And um, like I said before, a lot of it is just Joey, you know, really plugging himself in, really working hard. But us as receivers realize that we're going to have to step our game up to a whole new level and we're going to have to do things that we haven't done before um, to, to, uh, to help him get there, you know, to help him give some kind of helping building blocks on along the way. So, um, you know, it's uh, it's extra nights after practice. You know, it's getting there before practice. It's, it's extra film sessions, going over what we need to do, reviewing routes. Um, it's extra time, extra work, but, you know, it's for the love of the game, and, and we all love the game. One more question just about those those two other seniors that you play receiver with. What's the relationship like between between the three of you? And and a sub-question, have your teammates or coaches given your trio any sort of nicknames? Yeah, so uh, Kyron Bell, Elias Mullican, and myself, we're, uh, we're really good friends, um, which I, this thing is, which is, which I think just kind of encompasses, uh, incorporates like this class, the senior class as a whole, and this, this, this football class. Everybody on the team are just great friends, and that helps a lot. Um, there's been no bitterness between Elias, Kyron, or I about who gets the ball or who doesn't. Some games, some people will, some games, some people won't. Because um, at the end of the day, the problem is with what teams run into is there's just speed all across the outside of the formation and some team, and, you know, you have to pick your poison, who you're going to guard, who you're not going to guard. And, and, you know, that leaves someone open. And I don't, I don't think there's anyone um, on this team that, that you can necessarily guard one-on-one. You have to have some sort of help. Otherwise someone gets open. And um, as far as, as far as nicknames go, um, what was it? I want to say last year, Kenny Leith, our, our quarterback, and then, uh, us three ourselves. He called us the, the light skinned assassins. So, <laughs> all right, go. nice. <laughs> um, I am curious. There's uh, obviously a lot of big games still left to be played this year, a lot of football in front of you. But I am curious because I, I read about it so much and we kind of built up to it with the local Sacramento area press. What the experience was like for you in beating Folsom finally because it was such a big target for so many teams in the area where we both live in the Bay area. And so it's De La Salle all the time that people talk about in that way. What was the experience like in finally getting over that Folsom hump? Well, absolutely. Like I said, this season's been a really big uh, season for Lockwood high school and um, beating, beating Folsom wasn't just, you know, an experience for Lockwood high school it was an experience for the whole area. Like you said, um, it was a really big way. It was the first time I'm sure everybody knows that, wasn't been beaten since 2011 and, and that kind of stuff. But um, like I said before, it was a great team win. Um, our defense, it started off with our coaches. Our coaches did an amazing job at um, uh, breaking down the, the offense and the defense and spending hours and hours on film um, and incorporating us never to get, like I said before, too high or too low because this was going to be an important game, but we need to execute just like we did before. And I, I think we did a good job of that. We did a good job of, of reincorporating that and, and, and putting that into us. Um, being on the field, it was, uh, it was pretty cool, you know, for not, for, uh, for not being like a rivalry game, there was a lot of people there, a lot of people on the sidelines. So that kind of helped. There was a lot of a Rockland alumni there who wanted to come and come and catch the game. So that was really cool to see as well. Um, kind of feeling like you're part of the, the past, of the program, the current of the program, and, and you can just kind of see yourself down in the future of the program as well. I'm hoping that you led the, the, the footsteps to the future, but that um, was really amazing. And then being on the field, um, it, to me, that game was more about just stats. The DB who was uh, following me the whole game, Greco, uh, did an amazing job all game. Props to him. You know, kept me to only two uh, targets and, and zero receptions, so he did a great job. But uh, the way they Folsom schemed it was, you know, they were they're bringing some other dudes off to the uh, to the boundary, which freed up Elias Molokin and, and Kyron Bell who, you know, going over the top, they're just hard to guard with the speed and the agility. So one-on-one, we took advantage of that. And, you know, I props to our offensive coordinator who stuck to the run game. Folsom did a really good job of scheming it up and keeping us under 100 yards. But we were able to keep running the ball and, and keep Folsom on us, which allowed, again, like I said, Elias, Elias and Tyron Bell to get over the top and, and get the one-on-one matchup. So I think it was a great game. At the end, there was a lot of celebrating. But, you know, Saturday morning, yeah. Uh, Still getting the weight room, and then that next Monday we were still still coming to practice, doing our thing. And um, there was a little bit of a hangover because such a big win, but I think we snapped out of it. It's that next game, and we're back and we're ready to go. So, you as you said, you guys, there's a lot more work that you want to accomplish. Uh, you 
you guys are projected to to win this non-league game against Pleasant Grove this week. Finish ten and zero. That mean probably that'll most likely mean should certainly mean top seed Division One. What what's it going to take for for you guys to because you're going to see some really good teams in that bracket. What's it going to take for you guys to finish out what you guys want to accomplish? Absolutely, um, there's going to be some great competition coming up Pleasant Grove this weekend. It should be should be a good opportunity for some of our guys who don't necessarily get a lot of playing time to. To get in and get a great feel for the game. Uh, some of them got some time against Grant as well. What's going to take uh, us to succeed in, in the playoffs upcoming is just going to be doing what we do. It's not. It's going to be us not getting complacent because at this point, you know, we're the team that has a target on our back now. We're no longer chasing it. Although, if you ask our dudes, I'm pretty sure that you know we we place targets on people's backs pretty easy, and we always feel like the underdogs coming in. So, I think that's a great habit that we've gotten into, but. Absolutely, we need to stay um, truthful to who we are and keep grinding and keep working and keep waking, waking up every morning in the weight room. And that's what we're going to do. And that's what we hope to succeed in. All right, man. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you guys uh, continue to show Northern California and the rest of California how good you are. And uh, we'll be keeping an eye out uh, for games upcoming. So good luck the rest of the way. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. And now we're going to take a quick timeout for a quick message from Sports Stars Magazine's podcast partner, the California Army National Guard. We understand an upside down world, but they're writing us off before we get to the starting line. A stalled generation? Who do you think is gonna fix all this? We will, because our future is the future. The next greatest generation is now. Visit nationalguard.com to find out more. And now, back to the show. Well, thanks to our new friend, uh, Nathan Kent, for joining us. Uh, Rockland, obviously, is the IT team right now in Northern California. So we're excited to see what the Thunder uh, can do as they roll into the Sac Joaquin section playoffs. Uh, pun alert. Speaking of puns, there may be a few in this week's edition of our conversation with a third member of our crew, Coach Terry Edson, who is back off the sideline, but who is back into some prognostication for us. We will also catch up with the old ball coach on what it's like to play in some bad weather because we all had to sit uh, in Northern California and watch it rain last weekend. So without further ado, let's catch up with Coach Terry Edson and the weather gods. Well, it's, it's time again to welcome the third member of our squad, now squarely back in the retired coaches community. It's Coach Terry Edson. As we welcome you in, in light of this coming Sunday, are you a big Halloween guy? What's the last costume you remember wearing? I don't know. I probably dressed up like a golfer. I don't know. <laughs> too, uh, exciting, I can tell you that. Uh, I love Halloween. I'm not a big dress-up guy, but I love giving out candy. Last year, I... Went out in front of my garage, had the lights on, and, you know, I thought, okay, I'll be outside, and had my mask on, and one kid showed up. It was depressing. <laughs> but, uh, I, I'm hoping, we, I'm sure we're, we're going to get more kids out this year, so that'll be good. Should be better this year, I agree. Yeah. Halloween, not quite as big in, in my house. I'll tell you what is big, though. Uh, sitting at home on a Sunday where there is absolutely nothing else to do but sit in your house and watch football while it rains. Um, and There's no, nothing better than that. That's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, so while we were all sitting around wondering if Noah's Ark was going to be our best bet for travel, it, it got us thinking about uh, weather and football. It was especially relevant if you watched the 49ers and Colts on Sunday night and watched the ball bounce every which way. Yes, Coach Cronin, the ball does bounce. Since it seems like the weather has turned and we're going to be heading into the postseason fairly soon, we thought it might be a good week to talk about weather and how it affects high school football. So, Terry, I bring it to you. Can you recall the worst weather games you've ever been in with De La Salle? I seem to remember one in 2010 that I personally attended that turned out pretty well for you guys. How about the survey game? Yes, sir. Yeah, that was, uh, that was by far and away, I think. You know, first of all, you're in Southern California. They didn't even know what rain was back in 2010. And I remember everyone saying that big advantage to De La Salle because they're from North, they're California and they play in the rain all the time. I'm like, uh, no, we don't. <laughs> that game at Survey, I just remember it was raining. I'm going, God, you know, you spend all year, you know, from summer into the season 
to play this game and I'm going like, this is going to be a mess. And, you know, this is the last thing you wanted to, to play a, a state game and the mess and all that. And lo and behold, we played like the perfect half. It was incredible. I, I was, I was just standing on the sideline and I, on the headphones. I just kept saying to the guys upstairs, cause we didn't, a survey didn't get a first down the first half. We were rolling on offense. I mean, I, I was sitting stunned uh, on the sidelines going, I go, is this real? Is this really happening? I mean, we just uh, tore apart a really good Servi team. And, uh, you know, through the pouring rain, Ben, like you said, you were there. And we didn't, I don't, I don't remember, I'm sure we did because we always did, but I don't remember fumbling the ball that much or anything. It was like, it was just incredible. Chase, I'm not going to make you rehash the 49er Colts game last night because the the text messages that you sent me at a level of frustration not often seen from you. So I will, uh, I will, however, ask you what are some of your most memorable bad weather games and perhaps wind might play a factor in one of them. <laughs> My first memory of the like the, of a terrible, terrible weather game. I was the ball boy for my dad's team at the 1987 Northern Section Class A Championship at Thompson Field in Reading. And it was it's by far the muddiest mud bowl I've ever been a part of, ever seen. It was nuts. My dad coached Los Molinas High School playing Hayfork, um, who my dad could never conquer, and it frustrated the, the heck out of him. Uh, the game was crazy intense, and I, I remember being 8-7 to seven for most of the game. I looked it up today. I guess the final score was 16 to seven Hayfork, but that, that was crazy. I've never seen a field just that destroyed. Um, as a reporter uh, game, see, I, um, the game that sticks out to me, there's a couple weather wise. One is fog. I remember there was a Pittsburgh pirates uh, versus. Oh God. Remember that game? And, oh my goodness. That. Joe Southwick, uh, Eric Dargan. Uh, they, they picked off Southwick like four or five or four times, I think in that game. And it was that was a crazy weather game. I know there. I remember a, a game, uh, a NCS championship game with De La Salle against Logan at Dublin High that was really rainy. Um, I think it was 2012. I refused to go in the box, and I remember having to go underneath like the uh, the trainers' tents. There was a pop up tent. I would go oh, under yeah. that just to get dry for a while. The, the funny thing is though, too, as kids, and at least at least when I was growing, you know, good old Castro Valley, we. We'd wait for the like a big rain, and then it was go down to Castro Valley, and go play mud football. I mean, that was a huge thing to do as the kids. We'd love that those moments, you know, just go out there and you know, that was before your parents stopped you from doing anything, you know, like <laughs> you're not going out in the rain. That kid's like, yeah, whatever. You went down there, and that was so much fun to get in that first rain and play in that first mud football game, you know, with your friends. That was the best. What's your What's your top weather memory, Ben, football-wise? Well, you you stole my thunder a little bit. I absolutely remember that Pittsburgh-San Ramon Valley game. It was 2008, the D1 semifinals. Um, Southwick got intercepted five times. Five four, times. Four times in the last 15 minutes of the game. And the, the unique perspective I had was you were on the field covering the game for us. I was in the booth blogging it, so I couldn't see anything because I was up top. It was awful. Um, second game I'll always remember was actually same season, just a few weeks later, NCS Division II championship game between the Coach Cronin-led Cardinal Newman Cardinals and Clayton Valley at Santa Rosa High School. So cool. it, it was uh, Cardinal 117-7, but it was possibly the coldest I've ever been at a football game. So those are the two for me. And I will, uh, I'll give an honorable mention. I came out of retirement briefly a few years back and all three of us were in the building for these two games, Pittsburgh against Narbonne at Sacramento state. And then oh, De La Salle man. against Modern day oh, with the man. wind, the, I've never seen the uprights shake like that. Um, and it had a real effect on the Pittsburgh game. Yeah. Those are the three that, uh, that uh, I can yeah, think I, of. I, I remember that. I don't remember the wind stopping modern day at all that night. <laughs> <laughs> well, so this it definitely is died down for your game. It was not as bad. <laughs> yes, as it that's very yeah, true. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure they, yeah, that would have probably, yeah, that, I'm sure that would have helped. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, well, now that we've got weather out of our system, uh, 
Better weather. Is that a pun right there? (laughs) You better believe it. Although I will say I did get to see your rolling ball of knives this weekend at Dublin High School. Oh, yeah. And he looks like a rolling ball of knives. That is an impressive young man. Rolling ball of butcher knives. That's oh. um, so we'll uh, we'll jump into some picks for next week. I understand that you uh, you went one and one last week and all three of us had our Windsor Cardinal Newman game wiped off the board. Um, so we'll go south to start. The oh-so-familiar West Catholic Athletic League. It's Bellarmine trying to snap a two-game skid, heading to Valley Christian. Both teams are 5-3, and um, with Valley Christian coming off a win over Mitty and Bellarmine coming off a loss in the Holy War against St. Francis. It's at Valley Christian. Who you got? Uh, I just want to point out, first of all, I don't think any of my losses yet have been over a touchdown. (laughs) Every game I've lost has been Could have gone either way. It's one of these. Just want to point that out. Okay. But so uh, this is another, uh, this is a good game. Uh, Bellarmine Valley Christian. I think this is one thing that needs to be taken into consideration. And this always happens in high school. And I don't, I don't think that, you know, you can take this point too lightly is that Bellarmine, I mean, not Bell, yeah, that what Bellarmine's going to run into now is I probably said, I know St. Francis because, you know, we Delisle played St. Francis. That was a physical game for Bellarmine. That's going to be the issue, I think, for them is like, what kind of practice week are they going to have? I, I got a feeling there's probably a few kids in the training room this week <laughs> taking care of some bumps and bruises. And uh, Valley Christian's kind of been playing pretty well. Bellarmine's lost two in a row. Once again, uh, the Bells, you know, are they're making a comeback slowly but surely. But once again, I just think they're in a little too tough. I think this year is going to be a good learning experience for them. Uh, I, I'd say, you know, I think Bellarmine the next next year and two, that's, you know, it's a time to really see the Bells rise. But I just think Valley Christian's going to, you know, with the tough St. Francis game, I mean, that kid rushed for 276 yards, so there's a lot of blocking going on out there and there's probably a lot of sore defensive players out there. So I, I got to feel that Valley Christian's got the edge just off Bellarmine having to play St. Francis last week. All right. For game number two, we'll give the North Bay league Oak division another shot this week after Cardinal Newman had to bow out of its matchup with Windsor because of COVID issues. Now they're back. They face a tough Rancho Cotati team, which with the win could set up a title tilt, the following week against Windsor, are they going to be looking past Cardinal Newman or are they no. going to lock in and get the win? Who do you, what do you think? They're not going to be looking past Cardinal Newman. And my first prediction is Rancho Katati scores at least 35 points. That's my uh, first prediction. They've been rolling on offense. Um, I mean, uh, the, the similar, you look at the matchups, they played teams, you know, it's kind of similar, but I just think katati has got too much firepower. Uh, for Cardinal Newman. And, and the other thing is too, I, you mentioned there was COVID issues. What you did not mention is when those COVID issues started, because if they found out on Thursday, those kids are going to miss, there's going to be some, and depending what they found out, right. Some kids missing next week as well, unfortunately, which is, I'm sorry to say for those Newman kids, but there's protocols. So I, I just, even, you know, you get excited to miss a game. You know, Katati keeps playing. I think Katati's just got too much firepower for Newman this week. And I don't, I know there's no way they'll be looking um, through uh, Newman because Newman's been too good for too long. Well, we'll wrap it up closer to home here with the EBAL showdown of consequence. The undefeated and first place Monta Vista Mustangs roll into Clayton Valley Charter at 7 0 overall. 2-0 in league and fresh off of a 27-22 win over Cal High that if you watched the broadcast, you got to see Mr. Chase Bryson roaming the sidelines. What a treat. Um, the Uglies are 6-2, and 2-1 and in league, and they beat Amador 21-17 last week. Going to be some physical football in Concord. Who you got? The under, for sure. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but... Uh... I'm saying this game's under 40 for sure. Uh, two really, two teams, you know, Clayton Valley. One thing about Clayton Valley, I could always guarantee I'll be shocked if they don't, 
If they get the ball first, they don't take a seven nothing lead. Everybody they play that opening drive, they just take it right down the field. Uh, they've been really good on their opening drive, but that's a stingy defense, you know, with, at Monte Vista. Clayton Valley's been playing, you know, low scoring games as well. So this is one, you know, you look at it and it's going to, you know, then really it's hard to tell who's going to win the game. All I know is that, you know, one thing that's going to make a difference is turnovers. Who's going to turn the ball over more? I mean, that's going to make a big deal. I don't know who that's going to be. They're pretty evenly matched. But uh, I think Monte Vista's kind of on a little bit of a roll. So even though it's at Clayton Valley, um, I'm going to take the Mustangs in this game. Not a terrible pick. That, that game's going to be really even, I think. It's, it's uh yeah, it's going to be turnovers are going to make the difference. It's a, it's a total toss-up, absolutely. Yeah. The turnover and makes when, a difference. When you got a game like that, it's always the turnovers. And, that make yeah, and ball control. I mean, if uh, both teams – I mean, I, I think Monta Vista used a – had a, like a nine-and-a-half-minute drive to, to clinch their game last uh, – Yes, and you know Cal. what else this might be? This might be the quickest play it's, game yes. in uh, the, the – It could the go – we'd be down an hour and 45 minutes. It's gonna, well, it's gonna, well, it could be less than that. <laughs> Well, let me see. It's got to be at least 60 minutes. Yeah, so yeah, I'd say hour 45. That's probably good right there. Yeah, hour 45. Hour. That would be a good one. How long is this game going to take the over-under? You know, you know, like Super Bowl, they always give you a time limit on the Star Spangled Banner. And, and as a side note, Ben, if you were the singer for the Star Spangled Banner, why wouldn't you put like a million dollars on the over? Because you could control the whole thing. I never understood that bet. They must have a limit on that bet for the Star Spangled Banner. I like, I like very much that we've entered the prop bet category of no, our right, uh, podcast. I'm just, just kidding. These things just come to me, Ben. I don't, <laughs> I don't plan on it. That's why the, the masses love you. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it, boys. Another week of football. Are you promising 3-0 this week? Last week you were very confident. <laughs> I'm not confident in the Antioch, I mean the Antioch, in the Monte Vista Clayton Valley game. That could go either way. But yeah, um, yeah I'm confident. I'm somewhat confident the other two. But I, I, that one, if I win that one, I'm not going to pat myself on the back. I'm just going to go, Phew, okay, good. All right, there you go. It's going to be how, how deep are you in weather. your Breeders' Cup research at this point? Yeah, don't, um, don't worry. I have already told Chase we don't need to do high school picks next week. We'll just give you the floor. <laughs> and let you educate everyone on what we're going to do Friday and Saturday. Oh man, yeah. I'll have to, the problem is I don't. I won't. Uh, when are they going to pick uh, post positions on Wednesday? That's the problem. Mm. But um, I will. I will give a couple predictions for the Breeders' Cup for those over eighteen in uh, on the broadcast <laughs> that are listening. Okay. Yeah. All right. Funny. All right, Coach. Well, we appreciate your stop by, and uh, we'll we'll be we'll be here next week. Do it all okay. again. Carry all on, right. football fans. All right, I'll see you guys later. <laughs> see ya. It might be hard to get Terry to focus on anything other than horses next week, Ben. That will be a challenge for us. And speaking of challenges, picking winners this week was not for the light of hearts. Are you ready to reveal your best guesses? Because this week really feels like guesses to me. I don't know if I'm ready. I, I am ready to go go into deep breeders cup uh prep mode with coach edson but uh let's let's give this uh high school stuff a shot first all right so our primary pick slate for this week includes number 17 granite bay is at number five Folsom, with number nine bellerman at number eight valley christian of san jose the sac joaquin section big game we got number 12 st mary stockton at lincoln stockton and then we have number 18 monta vista at number 20, Clayton Valley. Then we have Burlingame at number 13, Menlo Atherton. Then we go to the North Bay Oak Division with uh, Cardinal Newman at Rancho Catati. And then finally, a Northern section battle. It is Foothill of Palisadro at Pleasant Valley Chico. Well, uh, you alluded to this to start. I mean, I looked at this list of games you gave me and said, I don't want to touch any of these. <laughs> so in the interest of uh, making a fool of myself, as I am wont to do, let's get it rolling. 
I am going to start in the Tri-City League with yeah. a matchup between St. Mary's of Stockton and Lincoln of Stockton. Uh, let's start with the facts here provided for us, thanks to the quality reporting of Stockton record correspondent Scott Neendorf. September 30th, 2005 is the exact last time Lincoln beat St. Mary's. That is a 16-game win streak for the Rams. I'm also going to use this as yet another opportunity to spotlight one of our favorites, Jaden Marshall, who is literally doing it all for St. Mary's. 650 yards and nine touchdowns on the ground, 23 catches, 483 yards and five touchdowns through the air. He's returned a punt for a touchdown, and he's even thrown a touchdown pass. Lincoln, of course, brings a balanced attack. Star running back Jonah Coleman, still a star, but I'm not betting against the streak this week. Give me the Rams. All right. Well, we are of the same mind, and since you went there, I will go there first for my pick. I'm taking a stab at this game, too. It's, it's the, for the Tri-City League Championship, so it's a big one. And while Lincoln's 42-11 blasting of Lodi last week, just two weeks removed from St. Mary's only beating Lodi by 10, I still think the Rams are the deeper team. You mentioned they have Jaden Marshall. He'll be the best player in the field, without question, in my opinion. St. Mary's has reeled off seven straight, and their response to that close call against Lodi was to outscore their last two opponents 133-3. The Rams are still the kings of Stockton, until proven otherwise, I will take St. Mary's. I will start off round two with my lock, which I'm, I'm taking a guess that it's probably your lock too, but we will see. Uh, I'm going to take Folsom against Granite Bay. I don't think Granite Bay has earned enough attention for his play in the Sierra Foothill League, but it seemed like Folsom circled the wagons, got his groove back last week, and even if quarterback Tyler Tremaine sits one more game, I think the Bulldogs' defense will start in this one, and Folsom takes some momentum into the postseason. So let's put a lock on the Bulldogs. It is not my lock. Oh, all right. And I, in fact, did not even pick that game. Uh, and, and the reason is I, I do think Granite Bay is really playing better. And yes, Folsom seemed to write the ship, but we'll see. I, Coach Edson always likes to say without an accurate injury report, sometimes this can be pretty tough. That I feel that way about that game. Um, I am instead going to head to the Peninsula Bay League where Menlo Atherton is taking a 3-0 record, league record into play against 3-1 Burlingame. The Panthers played what some have called the game of the year last week in dropping a 42-41 overtime heartbreaker to Half Moon Bay. Meanwhile, the Bears cruised to a 38-7 win at Terra Nova. Let's have a little more fun with numbers here. You and I were talking late last week about who the best quarterbacks in Northern California are, and let's take this opportunity to throw Menlo Atherton senior Matt McLeod into that conversation. He's completing 67% of his passes for 285 yards per game, and he's got a touchdown to interception ratio of 24 to 2. Not, <laughs> not, not too shabby. Uh, I, I do think Burlingame is going to be hungry to bounce back, but the Bears haven't lost since the first Friday in September. And this game is at MA. So give me the Bears, and I'm actually making that my lock this week. All right. Uh, I am going to wrap things up where, back where we started last week. We haven't referenced uh, yet our attempt last week to shine the light on the North Bay Oak Division, and, and it went horribly wrong because there was a cancella game cancellation. But I'm going to go back there this week. Uh, Ranch Katati hosting Cardinal Newman in a matchup of really good traditional power teams. Uh, last week, Rancho got a 48-21 win over Carrillo to move to 3-0 in league, while Cardinal had a well-documented week off due to COVID concerns. Uh, Coach Edson mentioned in his breakdown, though, we don't know when those concerns started, so we can't accurately gauge who will be available for the Cardinals. We also don't know how much they practiced leading into this game, so... While that uncertainty plays a part in my decision here, I'm also just a really big fan of how Coach Garrig Hotaling goes about leading his program. So I'm going my gut here. I'm going to take the Cougars. This would be a lock if uh, Porter Street Barbecue was still open in <laughs> Katati. Um, oh, but it's not anymore, so it's oh. not a lock. But I am, uh, I'm going with Rancho Katati. I miss Porter Street so much. 
Uh, I am going back to my roots for this last one and will be taking Pleasant Valley to stay hot and take down Foothill of Palo Sudro, which we just called Foothill of Reading when I was in high school at Red Bluff. No. I digress. Cal Preps predicts Foothill to win by two in this one, which I find really perplexing. Pleasant Valley has played a stronger overall schedule, is the home team, and is coming off a rather convincing 27-14 win over Chico. The same Chico team that Foothill has lost to twice this season, 24-14 in a September 9th non-league game and 14-7 on October 15th. Common sense says Vikings should be favored here and will win an admittedly close contest. I am taking Pleasant Valley. I also looked at that game and didn't feel like there was enough separating those two to make an informed decision. So that's your, you know, that's your neck of the woods. I'll lean on your expertise here. Vikings are the hotter team. You got to go with the hotter team there, I think. All right. By the way, if anyone is curious what our actual success rate is on these picks, it's all broken down as part of the episode extras content on each episode post at sportsstarsmag.com. So be sure to check that out. And I'm not just plugging that because my stats are better than uh, Ben and Coach Edson's. But Shocking that the guy that comes back after like almost a decade off is not doing as well as the editor. Shocking. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's move to the rapid fire portion of this soiree. And I will give first. So we'll start with the game that I plan to check out this week. Are we at Antioch 5-3 and three at Liberty Brentwood who's four and four Antioch's three losses were to teams with a combined record of 18 and six. Meanwhile, the combined record of the four teams that Liberty has lost to is 25 and four. Three of those teams are currently ranked in our top 20 and Antioch win sets up a winner take all BVAL championship in, in the big little game rivalry with Pittsburgh next Friday. Is that what we get or does Liberty win and keep the chance of a three-way co-championship alive? Who you got? This this is so difficult. <laughs> I know people on both sidelines. I have immense respect for both coaching staffs. I think Antioch is getting better this year. And maybe it's the hope that I will find myself on the sideline next week at the big little game with massive implications on the line but I am going to take the Panthers and I don't feel good about that one, (laughs) but I'm going to do it. I know for a fact that Liberty OC John Bell is a listener of this program and a comment from him. Yeah. He, and he should, I mean, I deserve (laughs) it. We'll see what happens, but yeah, that's it. That is a coin flip. If there ever was one, those are two good teams. Absolutely. All right. Let's start the second game with a question. Do you have any idea who actually leads the Marin County Athletic League right now? Uh, I mean, I'm going to say Marin Catholic. You would be right technically, but much like the East Bay Athletic League does with De La Salle, the MCAL allows Marin Catholic to schedule two extra non-league games, awards them the league's automatic qualifier berth, but does not allow them to play for a league title. That means with a 5-0 MCL record, the Red Hawks of Tamil Pius currently leads San Marin by a half game in the standings. It also means that this week's matchup between San Marin at Tamil Pius on Saturday will likely decide the MCAL champion. Both of these teams have similar scores against common MCAL opponents, and Tam is hosting. So good luck with this one. You ever covered a game at Tamil Pius High School? <laughs> no, I have not. It is beautiful. I bet. It is on the water. I have seen a couple games there in my career. It is a fantastic Saturday to spend in Marin County. That being said, I thought San Marin was actually going to get Marin Catholic last week. They really played well. Um, Marin Catholic took over late, if memory serves. Um, I'm going with San Marin. Justin Gwynn is good, man. And maybe I'm just on a road team kick this week. But uh, yeah, give give me San Marin. Because I think they really played well last week at Marin Catholic. So for your last one, I offer potentially the most exciting game of the year between two teams with sub 500 records. Half Moon Bay is three and four at Sacred Heart Prep Atherton, which is three and five. Uh, Half Moon Bay has a tendency to get itself into shootouts where they have varying degrees of success. They lost 47-46 to Menlo Atherton on October 8th. 
and then beat Burlingame 42-41 in overtime in the game that you mentioned. Meanwhile, the Gators play very good defense. Sacred Heart has held opponents under 23 points in six of their eight games. Burlingame is an interesting common opponent as the Gators also played the Panthers to within one point, losing 22-21 in regulation. Also, if Half Moon Bay wins and Burlingame upsets Menlo Atherton this week, chaos reigns in a three-way tie for first with each team holding a head-to-head against the other team. So does chaos reign or does Half Moon Bay win? Everybody knows I am a huge fan of chaos. (laughs) General chaos and admiral disarray to quote South Park. Man, this is tough. Where is this game? It is at Sacred Heart. Hmm. It is a Friday night game at Sacred Heart Prep. Oh, so that means it's big atmosphere. Big atmosphere because they're they're playing Friday night. Um, this is a pretty uneducated selection, but I will take the Gators because they're at home. Home game. Teams that are very evenly matched and I'll go with defense. That was... <laughs> Those are six picks that are like pulling teeth this week. Jeez. Isn't it supposed to get easier as the season goes along? It's supposed to. Yeah, it's not. Um, all right. Let's get into your quick picks here. Let's round this thing out. You did so well last week with your city pick that I am compelled to start there again this week. I am moving to another league, though, and I am giving you a Saturday showdown of West Catholic Athletic League teams St. Ignatius fell to Sarah last week, but we know the Wildcats always show up on Saturday afternoons. They are headed to Reardon, where the Crusaders are fresh off a victory over who I thought was hot, Sacred Heart Cathedral at Keysar last week. Will you side with Goldie Hawn and take the Wildcats? Or are you a fan of epics? And are you ready for a good crusade? I'm going to go with St. Ignatius on this one. I feel like they've been more consistent maybe i that's tough i will go st ignatius although i think the last time i took st ignatius in a rapid fire uh i i lost you might have given me the the bruce mahoney game and i think i took st ignatius and i was incorrect so that's true hopefully the uh the wildcats can can uh can pick me up this time that is true um let's head to the stone division of the tri-county league where Hercules is enjoying a renaissance under head coach Dean Greco. They are hosting Vallejo in a matchup of league unbeatens. Fun fact about Hercules. At least when I was in high school, their baseball field sloped dramatically in the outfield for drainage. I was pitching in my senior season and someone hit an absolute bomb to left field off of me. Not an uncommon occurrence. I grant you our left fielder, Josh Harvey, dove for the ball, and literally disappeared from view. <laughs> All we saw next was his glove hand reaching up because he caught the ball. It was tremendous. Anyway, what a self-serving story. <laughs> Will you remember the Titans? Will the Red Hawks fly? Or will everyone just get stoned? Okay. Well, I'm going to say cautiously that the Titans are going to pull this out. I I think they've played a slightly stronger schedule than Vallejo and seem to be a little more battle tested for this game. Give me Hercules. We won't get super tricky with the last offering here. It's a first place showdown in the MVALWACC Foothill. This is whack league (laughs) where James Logan hosts Bishop O'Dowd. Ty Jones has taken over under center for the Dragons since I saw him play a really nice game at linebacker against San Ramon Valley. Matt White is still the dual threat out of the backfield that we thought he was, and O'Dowd is on a three-game win streak. Meanwhile, the Colts have won four in a row, and Eddie Smith has these dudes believing after a big win over San Leandro a couple weeks ago. Logan quarterback Marcus Sanders has battled injuries this year, but I've seen the Colts both with him and with Robert Mendez under center, and both are fully capable of leading the offense, albeit in slightly different ways. It's going to be a heck of a game. Do the Dragons breathe fire or the Colts run wild? Well, we will disappoint only one former Concord High School assistant coach in this podcast, and I will I will go with Coach Dave Perry's Bishop O'Dowd team. I think the Dragons, they, they seem to be on a roll right now. I know Logan, Logan is 
on their own streak. I'm going to go with, uh, give me the Dragons. We are, if there is such a thing as home field advantage in high school football, we disregard it. <laughs> I think I took two road teams in those quick picks. You took two road teams. Yep. Yeah. Well, one thing is for sure. Neither of us is going six and zero this week. I think, that's, that, I think that's a fact. Yeah, let me put that out there right now. So that wraps up another week of seven Friday night. We want to send out a final thank you to Rockland senior wideout Nathan Kent for squeezing us in between school and practice. And of course, we wanted to extend our gratitude to Coach Edson for spending time with us yet again. Seven Friday Night is available on several platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. If you listen to shows on one of those platforms, search for the number seven Friday night and please rate and subscribe. We build 7 Friday night using Anchor. You can leave a voice message for us by visiting anchor.fm slash 7 Friday night. And that may come into play next week uh, as we may actually put out a call for some uh, questions. We might do a mailbag episode soon. Each of our episodes also get their own dedicated page on Sports Stars Magazine's web home, sportstarsmag.com. You can stream the episode there, find links to the various other platforms, and check out a variety of bonus items that we tend to include. Also. Be sure to follow the magazine on Twitter at Sports Stars Mag and our new podcast Twitter home of at Sports Stars Pods. If you want to follow either of us on Twitter, you'll find us tagged on either of those accounts quite often. Design and photography for our cover art was by yours truly. Our theme music was produced by Dustin Phillips. He performs in multiple bands in the Sacramento area, including an awesome cover band called Popular Demand. Look them up on Facebook or on their website sacramentocoverband.com and that should do it ben take us out um you know we we've made it it's the end of the season and before we get to that last week of the of the regular season in the ncs and ccs or to the first week of the sac joaquin section playoffs um we got to get there first and so we're hoping that everyone gets through this week with good health there's some tremendous matchups out there one thing i do want to mention uh because i I have taken the opportunity to take shots at the North Coast section as uh, frequently throughout my career. Um, you and I were both still at the Contra Costa Times when they started to uh, go to these new divisional formats and these new league formats. Um, I'm not a huge fan of having like a super league with three divisions. I think that's a little extreme, but can we give a shout out to the NCS for creating some buzz for some of these schools going into the last two weeks of the regular season? I'm thinking specifically about a, a Hercules and a Vallejo that we've talked about. I mean, those teams, if, if the old leagues held or the old leagues existed, would not be playing for a league title this week. Uh, College Park and Northgate likely will play for a Diablo Athletic League title next week. Tennyson. That would Tennyson is undefeated. Um, these are teams that have been given an opportunity because of structure, an opportunity because the athletic directors and the principals in the North Coast section created it. So props to them for creating opportunity and giving these kids something to play for. So uh, I wanted to say that because I think it's while we spend a lot of time on our rankings and the big teams and all that. Uh, I, you know, for a fact that I've been looking at this Northgate College Park game next week for a couple weeks because they're two good teams that are on the come up. So, you know, we should pay attention to them too. And props to the NCS for making those relevant. And, and what that all boils down to is something that you and I have talked about for a long time league titles and section titles still do matter. They matter to the kids, they matter to the, the coaches, they matter to the student body. You can't get caught up in all the big top NorCal rankings and who's going to go to what bowl and what, I mean, keep it simple. League title, session title, those are what really, really, truly matter in high school sports. And we get to see a lot of those play out in the next two weeks, and that'll be exciting. So I had this absolute conversation, this exact conversation with Tony Scalacci of Foothill, their running back and linebacker last week. He told me flat out, I grew up looking at those league and, and section banners those league banners in the gym at Foothill high, like those kids care about that stuff. These schools care about it. You're absolutely right. So these are, these couple of weeks are among the most exciting of the year. They'll be fun. 
and uh, we hope you enjoy it. We're going to enjoy it. Also, have a safe and happy Halloween. Stay spooky. We'll see you next Wednesday. All right, let's roll, boys. <laughs> <laughs>